Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. So, Happy New Year to everyone. This is the beginning of the 15th year of Talking Money. Hard to believe it's uh, been around this long, but do we go back to January of 2007 to the debut of Talking Money? And so, love being with you all uh, each Saturday morning to answer questions that you may have about money. That's what we talk about. And the, the fantastic thing about that, there's no hidden sales agenda. So, we're not trying to sell a thing as we try to educate and uh, teach about the different areas of finance that we hear about. And, of course, to answer your questions, I have quite a few questions today that have come in over the last couple of weeks. This last couple of weeks, those of you who have been paying attention uh, noticed that they were pre-recorded, so the station was closed the last two Saturdays. So this is the first live program of 2021. Have you made that mistake yet? Put 2020 on your on your checks or something? I know it's easy to do that. You've it's uh, hard to get back in the the routine of of getting the the new year written on there. So I, I can say Happy New Year. So I wish everybody a Happy New Year. Things are starting off a little rocky. It seems like already from the events of this week. But I I ran across an article I thought was very helpful, and I want to share a part of this article with you. It was in a Wall Street Journal posted yesterday. It was actually written Thursday evening late. Tony Dungy and Benjamin Watson. Most of you certainly know of Tony Dungy, former NFL um, coach and and um, Super Bowl coach and so forth, and a great Christian guy. Has a lot of um, some books he's written and a lot of other things he's been writing about in other ways, blogs and articles like this one. But this was entitled "A Call for Christian Revival." in 2021. So he starts off the article saying, last year was one of the weariest we can remember. It brought school conducted behind screens, fewer trips to restaurants, and no escapes to the ballgame. The weekly routine of sitting in a church pew on Sunday morning is gone for many. How can we not be weary? So he spends the next few paragraphs just talking about some of the events that have happened and, and how we've had to change things and the way we act and operate for this past year and, and of course as uh, many of us we continue to do this as we brought as i broadcast from uh, my office instead of the studio just to help do our part to help prevent the spread so he he finishes the article with some really encouraging words that i thought would be helpful as we start this new year he says but god has a plan in all that he does and it's a good plan there are many blessings in 2020 amid the hardships Many people spent more time with immediate family. Millions have a greater appreciation for their children's teachers. And this country's love of sports was put in proper perspective. Last year was a helpful reminder that athletics is more about community than what happens between the white lines. There's no guarantee that 2021 will be better, but Christians must step up. We need to challenge one another in love and support each other when facing strong headwinds. If we live like the world... Why should non-Christians listen to us? More importantly, why would they listen to God? With this in our mind, here is our charge to the body of Christ for 2021. Read the entire Bible. This is a blessing, and doing it in a year takes only about 15 minutes a day. There are plenty of reading plans and even apps to make this process easy. Encourage others to join you. How can we expect to share God's Word passionately and accurately if we Christians are not Bible literate? Number two, pray. Pray for our pastors, teachers, politicians, family, and friends. Many of us tell others that we will pray for them. Many of us tell others we will pray for them, but do we do it? Don't simply tell someone that you will pray for him. Stop and say, I'm going to pray with you. Next one, repent. Repentance is a word American culture have lost sight of. 
It means to turn away from the direction one has been headed. Repentance applies not only to salvation, but to everyday life. If 2020 has exposed worry, jealousy, racism, pride, greed, or anger in our hearts, we must repent. Number three, return to our home churches. The relationships built in our local churches are critical for our personal growth and the church's growth as a whole. And lastly, he says, give tithes and offerings. The Bible requires Christians to give to the church. We can debate whether tithing is Old Covenant or New Covenant, but we all know God calls us to give and to give generously. So I thought that was some good words of encouragement for starting the year, and not just encouragement, but but uh, just really to, to try to incentivize us to do some things that we should be doing. Uh, of course, Tony Dungy's member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and Mr. Watson, he's the director of NFL programs for Pro Athletes Outreach, and they're hosts of Football Sunday Sports Spectrum Production, it says here at the end of the article. So I think most of us have heard of him. So that's some, some great stuff that I think um, hopefully encourages you as we start off this new year of 2021. And another new thing starting the year. So um, uh, Tracy, the one that works on, on our website for Talking Money, uh, sent me an email yesterday that says the new financial resources page on Talking Money Radio is up and running. So you might want to check that out. Just go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And it has uh, several headings there. It's, it starts off with, are you looking for resources for your own financial planning? Maybe you're looking for a financial advisor and aren't sure where to start. Here are some helpful resources to help you make wise financial decisions. So we have several headings, finding a financial advisor, family finance, budgeting, annuities, estate planning, charitable giving, and it keeps on going from there. And then the, the next page shows a place where you can sign up for the Talking Money newsletter. So if you want to get regular communications from us, you just stick your email address uh, in there and we'll put you on the list. We're not going to be calling you and trying to um, get you to buy from us because, of course, we don't sell anything, so you don't have to worry about that. But if you want to just keep informed about things that are going on that uh, we want to find out, especially between between uh, airings of Talking Money programs, then that would be a, a good way to do that. And I, I do want to remind folks, I have several times, but I've gotten several emails from folks either through the Talking Money website or from the uh, Ronald Blue Trust uh, website giving asking me questions about different things uh, some wanting to find out more about the services some just wanting to find out a state planning attorney so i respond to those emails sometimes if it's a if it's a question then likely i'm going to answer it on the air but if it's if it's uh just like i, I need an estate planning attorney i responded to one uh, lady about that and said i just need some more information about what your situation is so i know the right estate planning attorney to to refer you to uh, they have different specialties and some are better than others and uh, so i, I want to narrow that field down so if you sent me an email like that and and did not get a response you said wow i wonder why mike's not responding to me i sent in that question weeks ago well i responded to you and sometimes those emails get caught up in spam so be sure to, to check your spam filter for those to make sure they didn't get caught up in that and another suggestion when you send me an email like that include your phone number so if I don't hear from you after a certain length of time, even though most of us prefer the email, if I don't hear from you, then I can give you a quick call just to, to make sure that you got the information and maybe check on what might be happening with that email not arriving to you. So we want to make sure that, that I answer your questions 
So please uh, make sure that you uh, check that spam filter if you've uh, requested something. Okay, so that's the uh, Talking Money Radio website. So uh, when we get back to the break, we've got a, a, a number of questions that have come in over the last uh, week or two uh, from different listeners on different questions. Some have had to, to speak with them to ask more questions and, and go ahead and partially answer at least the questions. And some I'm, I'm going to answer here on the air. And they tell me they're listening, so we'll find out that. So we've got a question from Craig, from Bill, from Joyce, from Russ. We'll, we'll check on those. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I'm pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance, and as a fiduciary, work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your estate attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. A reminder, if this is your first time listening to this as the radio show or as a podcast, because we submit this as a podcast and it goes to a lot of different places, uh, this is not a sales program. We're here to answer your questions. If I can help you personally, if you want to see if uh, we might be a good fit to help you with some of your different financial planning uh, opportunities or concerns, that number is 800-588-7526. That's at the office. Feel free to give me a call. I'll be glad to, to chat with you a few minutes to see if uh, we should take any next steps for that. Or you can send a question. If you want a question for me in a future program, I, I probably won't get it today. Sometimes I do check the emails during the during the show. But send that question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. So we've had several questions come in. One from uh, Craig. I spoke with him a week or so ago. Uh, his parents bought him a life insurance policy when he was young. That happens to a lot of, a lot of people. Uh, people buy life insurance, and it's uh, not a bad idea, especially if you're trying to protect that person's, that child's insurability. So if they later on get diabetes or have get some other medical issue, they'll be able to uh, still uh, have some life insurance that they were able to get. Um, so he, what he's, his question was, he would like to cash it in and buy some property to eventually build a house on it. And he was wondering about the tax consequences and was it a good idea and so forth. So he gave me some general information about it. It's about a $200,000 death benefit policy and about 80000 in cash surrender value he'd like to get uh, get a hold of. It's a good company, Mass Mutual. I think they, they're uh, pretty competitive, so there's not a problem there. And generally speaking, with most insurance policies, especially if it's a uh, dividend-paying uh, contract with a company like a Mass Mutual, uh, what we call a participating, a participating contract, 
uh, over time, the internal rate of return on those policies uh, tends to, to get better, and and this one's been old enough that it's got a should have a pretty good uh, rate of return, internal rate of return. So each year the premium is paid, or if the premium's not paid, you should still have a, a decent dividend and a pretty good increase in the cash value each year. So the issue is what what happens when we cash that policy in? This is true with anybody that ca cashes it in. So you get retirement age and you say, well, I don't need this life insurance policy. I'm just going to get rid of it and take the cash. Well, make sure you understand what you're doing first. You need to know what your what your potential uh, tax event might be. So in this case, we have $80,000 of cash surrender value. So we need to find out the, the simplest way the basic way to find out what your basis is, is you just take the premium that you paid from the time you opened the contract. So the time you started that contract, you just add up the monthly premiums or annual premiums all the way up till now. Now you might want to make sure you do not include the premium that you paid for extra benefits. So if there's an extra cost for waiver premium, for instance, if an extra, extra cost for accidental death insurance, those kind of things do not include. Maybe you've got a term rider on the contract well the term rider cost is for the term rider it's not for the part that generated the cash value now some of these contracts it's hard to see they're all combined in one if it's a if it's one of those combo policies that has the the death benefit and cash is all lumped into one even though part of it might be considered term insurance that's okay you'll still be able to use those funds. So take those funds. So let's assume that they paid $60,000 over the years for that contract. So if they cash it in, then there's a $20,000 taxable event. So the year that you cash that in, you've got to include that $20,000 as ordinary income for that. And then the same thing has to do with a policy, let's say that you had for years and you took loans out on the policy. So there's not, there's maybe it's not $80,000 in cash value, there's only forty thousand in cash value, um, but from the and yet but you haven't paid taxes on those yet. So from the IRS's point of uh, point of all this is that the the value is still eighty thousand dollars. So you might only have forty thousand dollars in it. You paid sixty. You think I'm a twenty thousand dollar loss? No, you're not. You still have a twenty thousand dollar gain because you just borrowed that money. So if you have an insurance contract and you borrowed money on that over years to supplement your retirement income and so forth, you got to be very, very careful that you don't let that policy lapse. Because if it lapses, then that's a taxable event, and it's going to be whatever the gain, total gain was in that contract. You can't just take what cash value you get at the end. It's the all the money that you would have gotten that from a loan or however you got the money out of that contract. Basically, it's going to be uh, from a loan. So just a reminder for that, because that can be confusing, you know, for for most people if you're not dealing with this day in and day out. Um, so back when, when I first started my career, back just out of college, I got an accounting degree at Bob Jones and then uh, went into the insurance business. And for, so the first couple of years I sold insurance, another four years I was in, uh, roughly four years I was in management before getting into to to getting right and going into financial planning instead of selling insurance uh stop doing that uh, after that six years but during that period of time i got my chartered life underwriter so i studied insurance pretty thoroughly uh back then so that's i've got a pretty good background in that area so when i talk about annuities and other insurance it comes from some some background in that uh, field so if he if he goes ahead and and cashes it in well he can't cash it in is in his parents' name. They still own the contract. 
So it's going to be their taxable income because they own the contract if it's cashed in. So depending on which um, taxpayer himself or his parents is in the lower tax bracket, even after including the income that comes from cashing in that life insurance policy, that would be the person to cash it in if you're going to cash it in. Now, if you don't want to have the tax event, tax uh, that have to include that income as tax for taxes that year, then you can consider taking a loan. So you can take a loan on the contract. There again, be careful that you don't keep taking the loans out to where it eventually lapses. But if you take a loan on the contract, then you can take it out tax-free. And then the hopefully in this case, because of the policy is old enough, that maybe the dividend, certainly the dividend plus the increasing cash value each year, would help offset the cost of the loan. And depending on the contract, would depend on what that actual interest rate is. And you, you, know, you can say you're paying it back to yourself and so forth, uh, That, but it's, it's interest is interest. So we're going to pay it back. So we've got to make sure that um, we uh, know what the dividends are. And I would, I would suggest just writing the insurance company, calling the agent, if you know the agent, or just writing the insurance company. We do this a lot for clients. We write the insurance company and say, okay, we want a, an enforced ledger. We want a proposal. We want uh, some kind of a computer printout that shows us different scenarios. So let's assume we don't do anything to the contract. What's my future dividend growth? What's my future cash value growth? My death benefit increases and so forth. What if I borrow, let's say the max I could borrow, uh, what does that do to the contract? What is the, the payment for the interest? How much is my dividends? Will my dividends be enough to, to, to offset that interest cost and so forth? So you ask all those questions before you do it so you know what the situation is and you won't have any surprises. We don't like surprises, especially when it comes to tax time. We don't like to say, oh, our CPA calls us up and said, oh, by the way, you owe an extra. Now, we like the surprise where somebody says, hey, you're getting an extra amount of refund that you didn't know you were getting. We'll take those surprises all day long, but not the surprises that have to do with costing us money. So uh, use the loan feature and see if that would help in, in that case. Um, for for those of you who are not necessarily thinking about dropping a policy or wondering whether or not you should drop a policy, of course, we analyze that for, for people. In many cases, we advise them to keep the contract, and we just have them change the, the premium payment from have the dividends. Instead of having it just accumulate in the contract, we say, well, just have the dividends pay the premium. And then it pays the premium, and then if there's any excess, which oftentimes there is, for those older long-term contracts, then take the rest of the money and purchase additional insurance. So when somebody, when that insured passes away, then the contract uh, matures, of course, and the death benefit comes tax-free. So one of the advantages of life insurance, it's not a, it's not a miracle, it's just legislation is that way, that, that uh, life insurance death benefits, for the most part, there are some exceptions, but for the most part, life insurance death benefit is income tax-free. And that's why some people will suggest taking your IRA, taking money out of the IRA, using it to buy a premium, pay a premium, and so forth, and which can be a good technique. Just there again, got to be careful. You're, you're not you're going to end up with necessarily more money in your pocket, but maybe to the heirs, you'll end up getting more because the between what uh, you have in, left in your IRA and what is uh, generated by the death benefit could end up giving them more to pass on. And, of course, that death benefit being 
tax-free. But uh, another option would be just to take your IRA and over time just convert it to a Roth IRA and then you don't have the cost of insurance. You'll end up being able to take out money tax-free. You'll be able to pass it on to your heirs tax-free. But you want to do it in a tax-sensitive way and do it over the right amount of time. And hopefully you have a, uh, enough time to do that and keep yourself in a lower tax bracket. Because I've seen many times where people take out money and from a, an annuity contract or a life insurance contract and or their IRA and they... They puts them in a higher tax bracket, and they didn't realize it until it's time for taxes. And then, and then once it's time to fill out your taxes, then you got, then you got a problem. So uh, you want to be careful with that. So I think um, uh, looking at, we've had several contracts that we look at with clients that they've had it for years. Uh, new clients come in, they've got a contract. We'll look at it. We don't just, we're not the kind that just says, well, get rid of the insurance. No, no, we want to look at the insurance. We want to look at the annuities. Uh, some some are better than others. Some are worth keeping and some are not worth keeping. So that's something that you certainly need to, to watch out for. We'll be right back after this break. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today and every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. So glad you're with us. Of course, if you're listening to, to a podcast, it's whatever time you feel like listening to the to the podcast. And that's great, too. Go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com if you want to listen to some previous shows we've done. And uh, got a question coming up from, uh, from a lady who had uh, asked about a particular topic and some comments that uh, she thought I made and was unclear about. And so we'll answer those too. So if you have uh, some concern or uh, wonder whether or not you remember something correctly, uh, you just go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com and click on that episode and listen to it again. And uh, then you'll have a better idea of how to proceed and or to how to better ask me a question from uh, from that particular episode. Right, so the next question comes from Bill. He says, uh, do we need an estate planner? says, our assets are a house and Vanguard investments. We have four children in their 50s who will get equal shares. We have wills and power of attorney for financial and medical purposes. All right, so this is a short question, but uh, can be loaded because there's a lot, of, a lot of different parts of this puzzle as you look at estate planning. So let's first identify uh, what he meant and don't know for sure what he meant by estate planner. So uh, to to kind of categorize the different types of professionals that might be in your network and on your team, 
the estate planner I would call as the the attorney, the the person the the that set up the documents, wrote the documents for you, explained the documents. Also, maybe the one that would help your personal representative, what they used to call executor, executrix, to actually settle your estate when uh, when you pass on. And you will pass on. It's just a matter of time. All of us uh, have that in our destiny. Uh, so that's that would be the estate planner. Financial planner, uh, our role in this process would be to work with the estate planner, estate planning attorney, to make sure that things are coordinated properly. So you'll have your wishes that you will draft in a will, perhaps a living will, a living trust. You'll have those kind of things that you have set up, those uh, those um, advanced directives for yourself and for your spouse. But to make sure that they're coordinated. So the, the part that's important to make sure you do, and if you do this on your own or you'll need to work with a financial planner uh, like us, Ronald Blue Trust, to... to make sure that this is set up correctly. And we do this on a regular basis with our clients. And that is to think, to look at things like ownership of assets. So your, your ownership of the assets may be joint ownership, which is fine. And as long as your wills are set up to where even on the second death, the second spouse to die, that the assets that were joint owned, which automatically are gonna to go to the surviving joint owner, and that surviving joint owner's will says exactly what you want it to, and it goes to the the five, the four children equally. Then that's uh, that's fine. You don't need to do anything else. Um, but you, fortunately, the the will is already in place, so that that is good. Um, some people have joint ownership and think, okay, because I I have joint ownership, I don't need to worry about um, having a will or worried about probate because it's going to go to the joint owner, and that's true in the first death, but not on the second death unless the surviving joint owner then establishes another joint ownership with someone else. And then you got to be careful, make sure you fill out the right gift tax forms and so forth. If it's not a spouse, the rules are a little different when it comes to giving assets away. And then other things like beneficiaries. So life insurance, who's the beneficiary of that? Is it a surviving spouse? And then of course there again, if it goes to the surviving spouse and then the assets uh, upon that spouse's death, it's going to go based on their will. And assuming the four children are still in there, then that's fine. There's no other need for anything else. Uh, IRAs are another thing. 401ks, IRAs have the beneficiary. So they don't, they don't go through the will, just like the life insurance beneficiary does not go through the will. So if, if you're wanting to, to make sure that uh, upon a second death, or let's say both spouses die at the same time, and the contingent beneficiary might be, uh, say, all four children. Um, if and if you've got the right kind of perturpies language in your will, and it, um, it because you don't want the IRA going through the the estate because then it's going to be taxable. So you want to make sure that the the beneficiaries on the IRA, the contingent beneficiaries, if it's the four children, that you also have some perturpies language checked. And and most custodians are doing that now. When we first started to add that language to documents. We were with Schwab at the time, and it was like pulling teeth to try to get it done right. Uh, the legal department just would <laughs> just didn't want to cooperate very much with um, that particular language in there. But having that language in there allows you to uh, make sure that the uh, children of your children, so your grandchildren, would be a beneficiary as well. So you have four children. And one of the children uh, predeceases you, 
then that that child, if it's just per capita, then that child's estate would not receive their their children would not receive any of your uh, assets. So it has to be done by one um, by in such a way so that and Persterpes would say that if the one child predeceases you, that their children receive their share. So there's the kind of uh, and, and, and the chances of this happening may be small, but it, it does happen. Um, so these are the kind of things that working with a good financial advisor can help make sure that some of these holes are filled in. So that doesn't mean you need an ongoing estate planner, financial planner, but certainly you need potentially one that's going to check up on things for uh, initially to make sure everything's in uh, financial order, which, uh, which we do for clients. We'll do a one-time uh, financial makeover. And of course, the 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 long-term relationship is what we feel is best um, but if you've got a you know you're just a do-it-yourselfer and you say no I don't need to have anybody work with me I'm pretty comfortable and competent doing this things so of course you think you're competent sometimes you know you don't know what you don't know and we've had this I can't tell you how many times we've had things like that happen over the years where somebody felt like everything was in place uh, but it was in place incorrectly and so that can certainly pay for itself working with a qualified financial planner to make sure those things are set up correctly. When it comes to minor children, you want to make sure that, the, the, just like I said with the beneficiaries, so if your beneficiary, any of these beneficiaries are minor children, and if it's a an IRA or life insurance policy and they end up getting the money from the IRA or from the life insurance policy, and your will may say that the the children, the grandchildren, because they say the child died, the grandchildren are supposed to get it over some a period of time. They don't get it all at once. Um, then that's not going to happen because you're going to you're going to have a situation where they got it outside the will because beneficiaries pass outside of the will. So no matter what your will said, now if your if your beneficiary was your estate, then it's going to go through the will. But like I said, you don't life insurance policies. No, no real big deal on that. Typically, not at least a tax issue, but there's certainly a tax issue that you've got to be aware of. It's not as bad as it used to be because they they limited the amount of time you can stretch your IRA basically to 10 years to children, but that's still better than than five years that it might be through the estate. So you want to be careful with that too. Um, so there's a lot of different considerations that you have to to take and uh, um, to keep in mind as you're thinking about estate planning, financial planning. It's not a one-and-done type thing uh, because our our lives change. We do things differently over time. So um, we want to make sure that those uh, keep in concert with each other so that the uh, estate is settled as smoothly as possible. Okay, and as, um, as a part of that, um, a second part, maybe the estate planning things, and we'll probably have to cover this mostly on the break, so Joyce had written a question, uh, something about a, a uh, program that we had uh, several weeks ago, uh, several months ago, really, where we offered the homegoing document. And some of you may have, uh, I know many, many of you received that homegoing document. We'd be glad to, to give it to anybody electronically who, who wants it. So if you did not receive that homegoing document, you can go back in the Talking Money, uh, I forget which, which day it was, which Saturday it was, and uh, listen to that. And if you want one of those documents, feel free to email me. You can just go mike at talkingmoneyradio.com, mike 
at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And you can ask for the home-going packet, and we'll send you that sheet that uh, gives you a way to organize your thoughts uh, for funeral arrangements, for assets, for different things like that. It's just a good guide that you can use to help set that up. I'm, I'm happy to give that to anyone who asks for that. A home-going packet. Just ask for, should I say, home-going, home-going packet, anything like that in the subject line or in the body of the email, and send it to me at mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. So Joyce had another question about that. She says, I must have misunderstood when you're talking about adding beneficiaries on your automobile and mobile home titles to avoid probate. So she called South Carolina DMV to see where I should add the names to fill out correct forms. They told me the automobiles and mobile home will have to go through probate, and I could put it in my will who I wanted to get the automobiles and mobile home after probate. So we want to cover that particular topic when we come back for the break. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, Director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan, a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation. Unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes, or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller back with you for the last segment here. Question from Joyce I read just before the break. Uh, talked about the adding beneficiaries on automobiles and mobile homes. Uh, I guess you'd include your home as well. But uh, yes, I the there is the DMV was right. You cannot there's no beneficiary designations for that. But one way to get around that is to change it to a joint ownership. So I talked about joint ownership before the break. You could say, okay, and I'm going to have my, my automobile in my name and my child's name. For instance, let's say if that's the child that you wanted to go to, then you just put them on the title. And then when you pass on, then they just take over and put their own name on it. You can have it as a either or both of you own the the the, the automobile and you do the same thing for a, a mobile home on the title on that or you could do it on your on a regular home you could make it uh, you could make a joint ownership to whomever it goes to uh, when you pass on so uh, otherwise you'd have to uh, to avoid the probate part on it you'd have to set up a living trust you set up a living trust and then you change the name of your automobiles your mobile home your home your you know, whatever else you own, your your bank accounts, your brokerage accounts, everything gets changed to the name of the trust, and then you don't own any property. So when it's when you pass on, there's nothing to probate because it's in trust, and the the successor trustee 
which often is usually a surviving spouse, you know, they continue just like uh, they were still the owner's assets all the time. And the children, then they would pass it on to the children. So the trustee then uh, transfers those assets and the titles to the children. It doesn't have to go through probate because it's not owned by you. It's owned separately in a trust. So that's the the not necessarily the least expensive way, but it's certainly one of the simplest ways to make sure you avoid probate, to set up those living trusts, uh, or to set up that uh, joint ownership, like I mentioned. The difficulty with that is if you have multiple beneficiaries, you want to get something, it's not as easy to have multiple. You can still have multiple joint owners, but it's not as clean as it would be just going through the trust and uh, or just have one person that you want to name as the survivor or the owner of that property, just change it to joint ownership and essentially giving them half the the property, whatever that is. And then when you pass on, it won't go through probate. They'll, they'll be the automatic owner of it because it's not going to be you and somebody else. It's going to you or someone else. Um, cause you don't want, you want joint, you don't want joint ownership, um, tenants in common. You want joint ownership with right or survivorship. So not tenants in common, which means you own your half and they own the other half, and the the half you own would still have to go through probate. So you want to make sure that you don't have to worry about uh, doing that at that time. So um, a lot of different things that uh, apply to the estate planning, but this is one of those examples. If uh, and I don't remember specifically addressing automobiles and mobile homes in that particular talking money. Um, but you can always go back to that talking money episode and listen again to see if there's anything that whenever I addressed, if you weren't sure if you understood it correctly, you just simply listen to it again and then you don't have to worry about that anymore. Okay. So we've got a few minutes left here. Um, Russ sent in a question. Um, it's a longer question, so I'll just kind of read it out to you. So I'm getting close to retirement. So I shifted my savings into retirement format with multiple buckets. I keep approximately 250000 in cash that functions as my emergency fund, access to my cash, to cash if my dividend-producing stock or other portfolio position does not provide required living expenses along with other income, Social Security, and so forth, um, or if I need out of, an ordinary, out of the ordinary access to the cash. But he expects to use the money only a very few typical years. Now this is uh, several years' worth of cash needs for himself. In prior years, it gets to his question, I've always kept this money in laddered CDs with four legs, all at one-year CDs maturing each quarter. All right, so if he's got them in their, the one-year CDs, so it's a rolling uh, one year. So each quarter, one of the years, uh, so it would have taken him a year to set it up. So he would have started in, let's say right now, do a one-year CD, April do another one-year CD, and, and so forth. And then next year, the one he started this January, rolls over and he then would just put into another one year CD. And in the past that's given him the a more competitive rate. But he says the current CD rates are very marginally more than my money market rates with no requirement to wait for access to the money. Meaning the money markets you can get to right away, CDs you can't without the penalty. I've been very concerned to search out uh, higher rates with longer durations, which is reasonable. The longer you go in dur- durations, whether it's a CD whether it's a, a bond that has a you know three or four year maturity or duration, then then uh, and and that's another um, point for maybe your future talking money. The difference between maturity and a duration is, is two different things. Um, but let's say uh, the duration, it's uh, the longer you go out, the more susceptible your investment is to interest rate movements. 
especially when um, when they go up. You don't worry so much about when they go down, but when they go up and you don't get to take advantage of it, and especially if you're in a bond, that bond is not worth as much if you tried to sell it. Of course, keeping it to maturity, if it's a laddered bond, it's the same thing. Then you keep it to maturity, you still get your money back. You don't have to worry so much about interest rate fluctuations. So he's just asking, was this correct, or should I have continued the ladder CDs? Okay, so um, I think it, it all depends. It all comes down to, to rates. So I think keeping part of the money in money markets that are just marginally less than the CD is a, is a great idea, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, you can go online and you can check with banks across the country online to find the best money market rates. They're FDIC insured, just like the local bank. And these days, you can set those accounts up online and you can make that you can move that money back and forth to even your local bank where you maybe have your, your checking account. You can do that very easily, so that's not a, not a problem. Um, so that's one way to, to get around that. Uh, for our clients, we use a, a Flourish Cash, which is only available through an investment advisor like us, but it's a, it's a way for us to get money market rates uh, combined from across the country. So Flourish does that for our clients. It's not something we, we don't charge for it. It's uh, it's just a service to our clients, but it's for our clients. Um, it's another one of those maybe small advantages that you get for working with an institution is this firm uh, is always searching out the best money market rates from different banks, major banks uh, across the country, and they put your money automatically in the ones that are the highest. And um, of course, it's a little different because it's the first money that earns the highest rate. The more money you put in there, it goes down. But even the even the rates at the at the higher amounts is still very competitive and more than you typically get in your local bank's money market account. But that's something that that you can look at. Uh, I think uh, a good option here because of the the lack of need for the money is to say, okay, well, let's keep uh, fifty to a hundred thousand in CDs or money markets, wherever you can get the best best rates. But the rest of it split. Um, you know, Take that other, let's say, $150,000, whatever amount you end up with, and put it in short-term municipal bond funds uh, where you get tax-free income, or even short-term cor corporate bond funds. They earned pretty well last year. Um, as interest rates go up, of course, you have that initial fluctuation down probably. Um, so that's why it's it's part of the money that you would use for longer term investing uh, so that the, if it's three years worth you you have enough in money markets and CDs to go a year year and a half put the other year year and a half in short-term bonds so if in the next year a year and a half it it doesn't do well then or, or it goes down a little bit because interest rates were going up they'll eventually recoup and and make up for that but until then uh, you at least have some time you don't have it all in there and then if they do well for the that next year or so then you take the you take the funds from the short-term bonds and put it in your money market fund kind of replenish it uh, as it were but if you haven't used it then you can just leave it leave it like it is so there's some you know divide that that short-term bucket into more buckets so that you have some in money markets maybe CDs and some short-term municipal bonds tax-free municipal bonds or some regular short-term corporate bonds uh, one last comment before we uh, have to head out for today uh, I've, I've heard a lot of ads for this NRIA I wanted to uh, make a comment about it I'm always suspicious when a company uh, is advertising 10% rate of returns and up to 18% bonuses, kind of as it, as it were, uh, they call them. Uh, 
and and trying to limit the amount of risks and so forth and say because it's real estate and we're a you know plus billion plus firm and so forth. Uh, just be leery about it. I have I have made inquiry as if uh, you know if I'm an investor. If I if I want to look at that and see if it's something you want to want to consider or at least make you aware of, it is just for accredited investors. They don't say that on the ads. But you have to have a million dollar net worth, and you have to have uh, or, or a certain amount of income over the last several years. Uh, it's two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand. I can't remember which right now, but it's it's a lot of money. So it's it's for a smaller group of people uh, anyway. But anytime you put out that ten percent, why would you have to go nationwide? If you're really getting 10%, I think you could get enough institutional investors to to uh, invest with you. You wouldn't have to go to the spend all that money in advertising to get more money in. So be suspicious. Look at it cautiously. So thanks for joining me on this uh, first show of uh, 2021. And uh, we'll look forward to getting back with you next week for the next edition of Talking Money. Have a great week. Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.